This episode is brought to you by Santa Claus and Chris Kringle Incorporated. Positive feedback loop. Welcome back to Positive Feedback Loop, the show where we gather all the most interesting topics in the world and talk about them from very different points of view. Today we have myself, Louise, and my co-hosts, Stephanie and Ray. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. So today we wanted to talk about something very special. And as we're all feeling the holiday cheer, now that it is the end, near the end of the year, that is lying. We all know it. We all do it. We all hear about it. And we all see it. So, what are some of the most interesting lies that have ever been told? What are some of the lies that we tell ourselves and lies we tell each other? So, I wanted to start out today by talking about one of my favorite liars of all history. And that is a man by the name of Gregor McGregor, who was named so nice, he got named twice. Now, Gregor McGregor was a well-decorated veteran. Uh, He had fought in Venezuela against the Spanish. He had fought against Napoleon. And he came back to England with a dream. A dream of selling a piece of land, bringing people to a piece of land named Poyer. Now, if you haven't heard of Poyer, that there's a reason for that. It's because it doesn't exist. This man, having come from uh, a great military background, having the honor of these experiences, leveraged it to convince settlers that he had been given, made cacique of a plot of land. He had been made essentially king of a plot of land in South America, around around Nicaragua, where he had a wonderful infrastructure. The land was well-developed. It was well-cared for. There was even gold all over the place. Uh, it was said that the rivers were filled with gold. With And with these dreams, and with many pamphlets, and a very strong marketing campaign, he actually convinced a lot of people to go. Uh, at least 200, uh, 250 people actually went to Poyer to try to settle the land, only to find that, in fact, it was all swampland. And when they got there, they were not, in fact, welcome. So these poor settlers, many of whom died, it's said that about half of the, of the people who actually went there died, uh, came back to England to find that he had fled to France, where he was also doing another version of trying to get people to Poyer again. Eventually, the law caught up to him, and... Being a wily man, uh, he actually got away with it. Uh, one of his co-conspirators actually went to jail. The rest of them got off scot-free. He went back to England again, continued telling people about Poyer until he eventually ran out of funds. And as you would expect with a great moral of this story, he went ended up retiring to Venezuela where he retired with a great military pension. So dreams do come true kids wow you can lie or yeah you can fake it till you make it that's, that's an that's impressive story, story. louise what leads somebody to tell such a big lie like that i think it may have started with um, more modest dreams of settling some piece of territory maybe dreams of empire i don't know i don't know gregor mcgregor but well, like I you said know, he was he was in the position to be convincing enough and he had the credibility so yeah he, just he saw took opportunity of that. and he leveraged it. It was a time where economically a lot of people were looking for any opportunity to get out and to find some plot of land they could call their own. And he used that to his advantage. I mean, much the same way you have people who, you know, the Ponzi scheme is a classic example of a great big lie. You just tell people, hey, I'll make you money 
And if you tell them that enough, sometimes they'll believe you. And that's why we have institutions that try to catch this stuff. I feel like there's right, a like if you think about oh, go If ahead. you think about Bernie Madoff's Ponzi scheme, that's $50 billion. That's a lot of money to be uh, cheating investors from. That's, that's, that's significant. That's a big lie right there. And it wasn't just like a one-time lie. It was a uh, that's the way the business operated. Yeah. It was. I mean, it lasted for decades, time. I believe. Uh, uh, the the Madoff lie. Right. It was actually, I think, I think only like a years. year because it was 1919 oh. that at least Ponzi started the pyramid scheme. Well, well, well Madoff, Madoff, uh, Madoff, oh, Madoff may yes. have lasted longer. Yeah, Ponzi was uh, pretty short lived. Wait, tell us about Charles Ponzi. Yeah. So Charles Ponzi had built this pyramid scheme, and it was 1919. So this is a while ago, and I guess, which is interesting because then you have Madoff, who is a similar scheme. But with Ponzi, uh, at the at the peak of his scheme, according to National Geographic, he was making like $250,000 U.S. dollars a day. It's a lot of money. <laughs> and for people who don't understand a Ponzi scheme, I, I, that, that's why he's like, I think he's such a, remarkable example because like the type of scheme he developed is named after him that's how like terrible of a lie this was <laughs> like you know you're a terrible person when when like a lie a type of lie is now named yeah. after you that's that's all kinds of impressive in the worst way possible that's that's the definition yeah. of infamy right there and with Madoff himself like it, it may not be called a Madoff but although let's be honest it should be because it's yeah. a fantastic name for it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Made off with, with the money. But with these pyramid schemes, they basically take investors' money uh, and and pay off you know other investors with new investors' money, and it just keeps going. So it seems like there are payoffs coming when really it's just as long as you can bring in a consistent stream of new people, you can keep kind of paying the old people as if they're finally getting returns on whatever that investment was. But yeah, and as, think it, at some point it's got to unravel because yeah. there's only a limited number think, of people. You'd think it'd be much faster, but I mean, Madoff, uh, they, they suspect he started in the 1970s wow. was when he actually started his like fraudulent schemes. I mean, he says he started in the 90s, but even so, that's at least 18 years of scheming. At least. That's a ton so, of time for people to just a not ton of know time. what's going on. Yeah. And these are just the biggest lies that we can kind of come up with, like the big things that make the headlines, hopefully. Because, uh, you know, there's always things that you don't hear about, and those are the things that are probably ongoing today. But lying is not always so showy. There's all, there's all kinds of interpersonal lies we tell each other, from white lies to um, even, the, like I said, Lies we tell ourselves. What kind of lies do you tell yourself, Louise? <laughs> mm-hmm. TMI. <laughs> uh, it's probably something along the lines of, I'm not going to have that burger today. <laughs> and then it happens. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it does. <laughs> hey, you need your protein. Shame. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but well, that's a good question for you guys. I, I, I mean, you're bringing up an interesting topic, Luis, because you're saying that there are many types of lies. There's mm-hmm. not just one type of lie. And, you know, Ray, you mentioned like lies we tell ourselves or Luis, like you said, a, a little white lie. Like, What are the types of lies we can think of? What kind of lies 
Oh, if you just go to like Wikipedia, for example, you'll find that they they put down uh, at least two dozen lies. I could tell you a lie that probably everyone thinks or types of about themselves sometimes. A lie um, that you're a significant person in the world. Like if you think about the grand scheme of humanity and biology and science and the universe, your existence and your experience. I mean, maybe it is significant. I mean, it is. Actually. It, I take it back. Not, maybe it's yeah. really significant. It's not yeah, a really good no. life. If you take into yeah, account yeah, the, yeah, the, the grand sum of human <laughs> of all experience and all that needs to have happened for you to exist in the world, it's not quite a lie to say that you're unique. Yeah. It's just that most well, of I your experiences say unique. are. I, I agree that I'm yeah. unique, but I'm saying like you're saying like you a, a person is like a grain of sand. What a very small speck. Yeah, in the cosmic scale. Yeah. But that's 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 a diff, that's different, I think, from a lie to yourself. I think uh, there's different types of lies. Definitely, there's there's uh, white lies. There's uh, noble lie is a is a concept from Platonic uh, philosophy. You have um, uh, lies in jokes. You can yeah. lie through joking. I mean, yeah. those are a form of lying. If people uh, know when you you're establish... lying, is it a lie? Because like, yeah. lies and jokes, uh, people tell jokes they they use a lie to be funny think people know they're lying right so think of puffery when you're when you yeah. see an ad and the ad yeah. says uh or or a name of a, of a like I, I see this every once in a while uh driving around or walking around somewhere and i see world's greatest fries or world famous fries yeah. my favorite one they say world yeah. famous because world famous. <laughs> you're like i've never heard no of these <laughs> <laughs> no way in hell does anyone outside of this town know about your restaurant Especially if it's like in the middle of nowhere, New York. Uh, like maybe you have a Yelp review from a person in France, right. but there's, you're not world famous because of that. But that that could be considered puffery. I see that as people know that most of these places are going to call themselves the world famous. But then there's th that same type of lie happens with other professions where you think that's just kind of slimy. Like when people... I remember when I went to a social media marketing conference and I one of the speakers, and let me tell you, the audience did not like him after this, but one of the speakers said that he nominates himself for awards and then puts on his resume, he's been a, nominated, a nominee for a, an award. <laughs> and wow. that is like maybe technically true he was nominated for the award by himself yeah. though and the whole audience you know basically was saying to each other like we would that that's not good advice we're not going to do that <laughs> you can do that because you're a liar i mean they they saw him as completely unethical you it's kind of like paid yelp reviews or yeah, like well, paid which is amazon reviews policy so that's you know but depending on what's happening if you're getting a free product and then you can review it however you'd like. You're not getting paid to put a positive review on. Um, That's a little bit different from services that actually at, like pay you to have to a positive write review. Positive reviews, yeah. which are the ones that are more uh, in, insidious. Insidious. Yeah. Uh, but with that, you know, you have other kinds of lies like fibbing or just like something trivial. You can just deflecting when someone when someone tries to address one of your lies. That's a form of lying in a way. Hmm. Just a bald-faced lie. If I tell you I am a spotted toad, I am lying to you, but it's obvious I'm lying to you. No one doubts that I'm not a spotted toad unless they are on something. 
Or unless I, apparently I am much uglier than I look than I think I am. <laughs> I found an interesting kind of chart in National Geographic. I don't know if this is an article you saw too, Stephanie, but it basically says why lie, and it has like a graph of the different reasons. And I just kind of wanted to point out the top three or four things. The first one is actually personal transgression, which means basically to cover up a mistake or a misdeed. So we lie if we screw something up. We try to like make it seem that we didn't mess up. That's like King David uh, in the Bible where he he's you know watching Bathsheba bathe and then he's like, well, I need to make that happen. So I'm going to go kill her husband in war, send him to war, get him killed. So it's like this... An elaborate oh, scheme. An elaborate scheme, yeah, where you're just, you know. But people who lie to cover up a lie to cover up a lie, soon it starts to unravel because you're now having to live this I, elaborate you know, scheme. We want to say that it does, but I don't know if that's always the case. Sometimes people create like a fake, like a different reality for themselves when they tell enough lies. And well, they drag people along with them. I mean, we've seen it this year. We've seen it the last few years i mean yeah, another popular long. popular example that in history is uh the bill clinton and monica Lewinsky lie that was very public and sure at first um it would have been great if bill clinton maybe you know thought he got away with it or something and the lie quote-unquote worked but it obviously didn't so his personal transgression uh failed um and that usually happens in the public especially because people are yeah, when you yeah. have an investigation on you. All right, it, yeah. It tends to be a little bit harder, but it's those lies that have an element of truth that are, uh, you know, because he, he was trying to twist or twist the words around to say he didn't do this one weird, like, very specific thing. And it, it's it's those half-truths or half-lies that are the, the, hard, the hardest to pin down because there's enough truth there that people can kind of squirrel around mm -hmm. the lie. And if you want to believe the lie, it's much easier for you to grasp onto, especially if you have some level of cognitive dissonance that kind of makes you want to believe the lie. And in a polarized state as we are in right now, that makes those lies all the most, all the more uh, attractive. When people are kind of taking on a, a fake identity, um, like if you're in espionage or something, if you take on instead of creating everything fake if you take a lot from your personal life as much as you can and then only lie about the things you need to it's easier to kind of keep track of the identity you're assuming and so people a lot of times will they they mix the truth and the and the lie together and so it's more acceptable to them to the receiver and so that's like the worst type of lie because then you can't even you're not even sure what's true and false because you're dealing with somebody who's saying some things that you know are true. So then you think, well, is the rest of what they're saying true then? Because I know, you know, I think that lying isn't just a 100% lie or, or a 0% lie. That, that insidious mixing is what really, like, gets us all. Yeah, it kind of obfuscates the homogeneous lie and creates this heterogeneous mixture of reality. And Ooh, it's I easier like to believe. Good description. Yeah. <laughs> You thought of it. <laughs> the other um, few reasons we lie is avoidance, which means to escape or evade other people. So I guess that means if someone's inviting you to something and you don't really want to associate with that person or go, 
you'd be like, oh, you know, I have plans or I got this going on. So that's another type of lie people say or people. Yeah, people say <clears throat> um, another is economic advantage, which we kind of talked about and personal advantage, self-impression, which is to shape a positive images of ourselves. So that's, I think, a pretty common one. And it kind of hints to what Luis is initially talking about. How, what do you how do you lie to yourself? Kind yeah, of thing. Or, or or just lying to others to get, you know, uh, some advantage. Uh, yeah, that's extremely common. And the thing is. People are naturally really bad at, t at spotting lies. We just are. So there is all the incentive in the world for you to lie because it's we are no better than a coin flip. And that's been shown across studies of any people across all sorts of professions. Even polygraph tests are not perfect either. From what yeah, I've read, there are about you know, proponents of polygraph testers our users uh, would say that it's 90% accurate. And then like critics would say it's about 70% accurate, um, which is not, that's not that good. <laughs> if you think about it, if, especially if it's a really big, important decision that needs to be made based on the statements collected during that experiment. So, you know, it's kind of dangerous relying on machines to detect whether or not something is a lie, which I wonder how does that, get incorporated with artificial intelligence, but I'm going to hold my future thoughts to a later conversation, maybe. Um, so then, if if we if we can't... If, if people will not spot your lie in human interaction, and machines aren't going to spot your lie, why shouldn't we lie, Stephanie? <laughs> why are you calling me out on it? Is it? Am I the only moral person around here? Is this what's going on? I mean, there's... If you flip it and you say, well, why do people tell the truth? One reason people tell the truth is so you don't have to really, you know, remember the lie and keep track of it and things like that. Yeah. So that's, I mean, there, that's so true. there are a lot effort. of practical reasons you don't want to lie. You get caught, you get punished, you get it unravels mm -hmm. too easily, it's too much work. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of people who go by the Ten Commandments, especially the, the commandment to not bear false witness... Which but is, isn't this isn't this yeah. another form of avoiding lying because of there's a potential punishment? Should should it there be some be. other reason that we mm. don't lie other than fear of punishment? I think that that is kind of the base understanding. I think those who get deeper into those religions and really study start to develop a love for God, and so they keep commandments like that because of their love for and trust in a being that knows that. For some reason, things will turn out better, or they just, or they just want to show their love to that, that God, and so it turns into a from from a fear of punishment at like the entry level, to at almost this altruistic w desire to obey commandments because you have a love for this this God that you worship. But on the flip side of that, I mean, not li lying being bad is something mm -hmm. that we have. In most most people with a moral compass who have been taught at some point in their life some level of morality, they've been taught lying is bad. And not all of that comes from religion, right? I mean, it it's very common across all types of faith that lying is bad. And even for those right. who are not don't have follow a particular faith, and for example, myself, I'm not I didn't grow up religious and I was taught by my parents, you know, lying yeah, is bad, don't just, do it. It's ingrained in our culture. Like it's also a cult cultural norm not to lie. Like it comes from people kind of shunning you if you're 
going around like nobody knows if what you're saying is is the is there really a dinosaur around the corner is there really a mountain lion oh there's no mountain lion over there you know you're you're one of your your descendants gets eaten then you're like okay that dude is a liar you know so one of the earliest uh, stories we (laughs) learn is the boy who cried wolf there you go Mm -hmm. yeah that's actually a great example you know you you people who are known to lie often are those people that kind of get shunned by society in a lot of ways because nobody can trust what they're doing or saying but there's also the flip side too where there are people who can potentially be pathological liars who end up becoming successful because of the way they can influence people and navigate political uh, environments and talk their way through I think I think many of us have met at least one person who is a bold-faced liar and just is just has no compunction about lying straight to your face with zero impact on their own uh, view of themselves. It doesn't make them feel bad. Believe themselves though. So there are some people who lie and they know they're lying. They feel guilty about it. They try to cover it up. They're trying. Maybe it's like Ray said, this uh, personal transgression cover-up thing or an avoidance pattern. Like I'm washing my hair that night. I can't go out with you, John. You know, <laughs> there's like a lot of different lies that washing the say. hair all night. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> that that brings me, me that's to a the, question. That's the like typical, <laughs> the stereotypical story that girls, you know, always get trouble for like I've i'm washing my hair that, that night no one's it's told an me old, that before. it's an old thing where you know it's it's a, it's okay. a joke now because it it you know girls don't take that long to wash their hair like back <laughs> in the day they put in curlers they do the whole thing oh, and, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know a guy would ask them out and they'd be like oh i can't i'm washing my hair <laughs> i am very glad i have never been told that although maybe that's yeah. just because I, they just will say no <laughs> <laughs> but i mean that is actually an interesting example because in the dating world, especially, there's a lot of lying going on. You have dating profiles with pictures that aren't really tied completely to maybe the real person that you are. Maybe you have this angle that makes you look much slimmer than you are in person or much, you know, taller or musclier or whatever is your, yeah. whatever is, you know, yeah, the absolutely. standard there's in your culture of beauty that you want to aspire to. There's definitely an element of lying to others from the perspective of making yourself seem more attractive. But there's also the the other side of that, which is lying to others to let them down easier because you don't like confrontation and you don't want to hurt their feelings. But then there's also the other side of that where it's just avoiding having that confrontation at all, which is a much more common thing now, uh, you know, ghosting. So what side of that is better? Is the avoidance of the lie preferable to being told a a, a uncomfortable truth or being told something that would hurt your feelings in a, in a breakup. I think anyone appreciate most people, I think appreciate being let down easy, but then we also kind of want to know things that will help us improve. At least I know I do, but that's not everyone. I Some think people it, prefer that there being are a few that, that ruin it for everyone kind of a deal. Like I think that some people, when they're told the truth, like I don't want to go out with you. I'm just not interested. They have a whole tantrum and so people want to avoid mm. that situation, like you said, or like Ray brought up the avoidance <laughs> tactic of lying. 
And I know this isn't a dating podcast, but <laughs> I think we've <laughs> yeah. back back in, in the be a day, terrible you know, dating podcast. I would, this I would know. be a terrible dating podcast. But you know, there's in any. I mean, the Ladies. workplace. Yeah, seriously. Uh, but the workplace is similar. I think that it's really hard when people are giving uh, referrals, for example, and uh, some employers uh, they don't lie outright when they when they're call, mm. you know called first when they're called about somebody who is not a good performer but they avoid telling people that they were a yes. bad performer they say well i can confirm they worked here from this time to that time but they won't say they were bad because th- there could actually be for some companies like uh, they're afraid they'll have, be sued in some way or that they that there was libel or whatever there is like they yeah. they just fear that and so a lot of companies when they're giving referrals about past employees will withhold yeah you're avoiding blacklisting truth. someone yeah. um yeah, yeah i i that is something that i've definitely seen happen and it's just essentially passing the buck because you're saying i have yeah. this terrible employee you can have him it's fine yeah i mean i was gonna get rid of him or i already maybe have but i don't want to get get into a whole thing and this actually brings me to a to a really wonderful stopping point, uh, because I want to address with you guys after the break the question of: Are we lying more today? Are we getting more comfortable lying? And if so, why? All right, stick around, everyone. We'll be right back after these short messages from our sponsors. If you loved Lie Detector Siren Parents Edition, you'll love the Lie Detector Siren College Edition. Are you ever sitting in class and you start to think that maybe your professor is just making stuff up? Just open your Lie Detector Siren app and let it run on your desk. If he or she really does make up something about the Mesozoic era, the siren goes off. Sure to be a crowd pleaser. Lie Detector Siren is not responsible for your placement on academic probation due to class disturbances. Welcome back to Positive Feedback Loop. At the top of the episode, we talked a little bit about lying, some of the forms of it, and now we left it with a question. Are we lying more? Now, why do I ask this? Uh, I was listening to a comedian recently talk about the difference between back when, you know, before cell phones, before the internet, lying, you didn't have to lie as much. For example, if you didn't want to go out uh, and you had already committed to something, if someone couldn't reach you they couldn't reach you and that was it you just didn't show up okay you didn't show up if you could show up you showed up but nowadays because we're always connected all the time uh it's a lot easier for people to or people feel a lot more compulsion to make things up make excuses find reasons to weasel out of events or uh of course taking it to the realm of online media and the world of forums and postings and social media, there's all sorts of sock puppet accounts and a sock puppet account being where someone will make a fake account so that they can support their own positions in online discussions. That is to say, I'm having an argument with Ray about why ice cream, chocolate ice cream is the best. Ray says, no, vanilla is the best. And I and make another Chainsaw account. Chainsaw the Clown on Twitter is all yeah. of a sudden yeah. liking your, your yeah. arguments. Totally not Luis account comes in there and says, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, ice, chocolate ice cream, of course, is the best. And then you have 12 more totally not Luises coming in and chiming in about this. <laughs> so are we lying more? I think it depends on the kind of lie. 
or you know statements you're saying if you're talking about you know day-to-day lies like like that and little arguments yeah sure maybe we're lying more just because we have to say something you know show face but i think in terms of facts and like information i think since what the internet has brought us which is the availability of all information and libraries of content you know people can fact check things more easily and simply you know back in the day like 200 years ago if someone told you something you probably would have to believe it because there's not many sources of truth to look through you know so there's um you know even like thousands of years ago you'd have your who who would you believe the, the high priest and i don't know your parents and family that's it but that you could you could argue that uh, nowadays, because it's so much easier to, for example, make a website and make a website that looks more or less decent. Back in the heyday, you had your GeoCities and blog sites that were really poorly coded because you had to do all the CSS by hand. And right. it was really difficult to make a simple, clean, uh, good looking front page that right. said, hand this is reliable. HTML. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It was right. harder to look reliable. Now it is much easier to post yourself as reliable. And for example, we have uh, all sorts of sites that come up to either tell you straight up fake news or uh, advance a propaganda position. If we're talking about, for example, uh, very famously Russian propaganda or even just it, people have a lot higher incentives, especially if you feel very personally uh, involved in a debate where your own your, you want to save face and you want to make sure that you win. It is much easier for you to find some justification for your lie, whether it's a picture of a graph that doesn't really have good sourcing or it's a website that is just written by unknowns that doesn't lead to anywhere. It's it's much easier to lie. I think what you're saying is that once somebody has a belief, whether or not it's a truth or a lie, like whether they know it's true or not or have proved it's true or not, they will have kind of a, a deception, an attitude of deception where they will find whatever source they can, not paying attention to the authenticity of that source to prove their point, hoping that those they are arguing with are less sophisticated and so will not see through the ruse of the ill-fitting sources they found for their argument. Or maybe just will not read past the headline. Right. I've seen. Oh, yeah. I've seen this. <laughs> We've talked so about much this before. People, yeah. <laughs> people who will post uh, an article that actually refutes what they're saying, but just because the headline's misleading, yeah, they will post that, and people will just assume that they were right. I've said and in I've another podcast that, that people, the data has shown in at least different experiments I've run and clients I've worked with that there are more likes on posts with a certain headline than actual click-throughs to read the post. So people are judging and liking an article without even reading it because they think that the headline was good enough to get the message across to them, and they didn't read. So, so Ray, <laughs> as our resident futurist, what can you tell us about uh, the, the state of lying on the Internet now and in the future? Well, I mean, I think right now there's, as you said, there's a ton of false information on the internet and i think that's probably going to continue but we are starting to develop some level of some kind of authenticity layer of the internet 
And I would kind of argue here a little bit about blockchain and how that could potentially help to create a trustworthy network of information. And when I say information, I'm not I'm not talking about all information right away. From the start, we're talking about like just transactional data that can be sent over back and forth. And that could be verified like this was definitely sent to this address at this time and day. You can't falsify it. That's a fact. So that's very simple types of information. But in the future, you know, what people are working on is to use the same types of system to verify things that have happened. For example, um, you know, there's these online fake video software. What were they called, Luis? Deep fakes. Deep fakes, fakes, yeah. Although those yeah. are used a lot for porn, but yeah, those are out there. Those Very are convincing. out there. Well, they've right. done and one they of real. President Obama and others where they look exactly like yeah. they're saying There's something. My my personal favorite, my personal favorite is one where it's just inserting Nicolas Cage into movies that he was clearly not in. <laughs> yeah. So like Raiders of the Lost Ark with like Nicolas Cage. Um, right. Movies where it's like romantic movies where they put Nicolas Nicholas Cage's face on on the female character. Right. So, like, for example, those videos being online, uh, when a video is online, it's just a video to people. But I feel like in the future or what I'm seeing is that each piece of content will also be associated with the provenance of the original video content and where it actually came from. So, for example, the video um, recorder that was used to actually film, uh, you know, the president, for example, will will be you know, part of the network and anytime that uniquely identifiable piece of machinery, the video recorder is used to record something, its environment will also be recorded in a way that cannot be faked and that will contextualize any content. So in the future, if you're looking at a piece of video, you'll know that it was used, it was created with this video camera and in this location and there's no way to change that piece of information. You can definitely make fake videos and they just won't have that layer of authenticity or that certificate of authenticity, rather. But I mean, that will that result You can the still make of... deep fakes. You can yeah. still make yeah. deep fakes. They and just the, wouldn't the have key that is, certification. Yeah. Right, but that's right. where education. So people have to become more aware of the fact that there are deep fakes or there are fake videos and fake content and fake pictures and fake articles and fake reports. And they're going to have to demand that the things that they, all the content that they see has that certificate of authenticity. Um, I think the problem with that is that it does require, like you said, that level of technological understanding. I'm seeing this problem with people understanding just to look at sources. Like a lot of people will read an article and not even realize which URL, what domain it's being hosted on. Are they reading it on the University of Washington website or are they reading it on like The uh, Onion? You know, yeah, The Onion or or some For those of you like, who don't know, The Onion is a satirical news site. Yeah, it's, you know, it, usually its headlines are, you know, being sarcastic or whatever. So and or it could just be, you know, a propagandist blog, but people don't pay attention to the source, and that's a mm. huge problem and we see this with college students who are writing essays for school. And so they are being trained as researchers. They're being trained as, in, as intellectual people. And they aren't necessarily the ones lying, right? They're telling, let's say I'm not plagiarizing or anything. I'm a college student. I'm 
truthfully researching and finding sources and I'm putting together a paper. So I'm, I'm the truthful one as the college student, let's say, in this scenario. But if I am going to whatever sources I can find on the internet that just say whatever, and I'm not looking at where what these sources actually are, are they authentic? Are they also trustworthy sources? Then I could put together an entire research paper of you know what I think uh, people are saying, and it could be full of lies, <laughs> right? So now you have this honest person, if, if lies are like a disease, as an honest person can be the carrier of lies <laughs> from mm-hmm. one host to another, right? Without yeah. understanding that they're actually delivering lies. But you I'm know. curious, is the issue more that lying is easier now or that the incentives for lying are better now? I honestly because don't now- think either. And the reason I say that is there's a, there's, I don't think that there's more or less lying now. I think, I think throughout time and, and motivations as well, I think throughout time there have always been uh, reasons to lie and there's always been a lot or a little of lying. It's a relative term, right? But lying. Mm-hmm. There's this researcher named Dan Ariely. Uh, he was at MIT at one point and he's, he's got lots of, uh, he has some books. Uh, he's famous for predictably irrational uh, but he also has a new book out that I'm reading on on lying. <laughs> Why do we lie? Why do we cheat? And he's do, he does experiments. So I like it because it's kind of data-centric. And he did an experiment where he basically had uh, kind of this, this test you could cheat on. You had to do a certain number of calculations or whatever. And it was po- it, 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 the way it was set up, it was possible to cheat. And so you would basically count how many things you got right and and the test subjects would get paid depending on how many they got correct. And when they had to turn in the sheets and also report, you know, what they, how many they got right versus those who were able to shred the, count up how much they got right and then shred the sheet so that, you know, nobody could follow up. All of a sudden, a higher percentage of people were, were being, uh, we're getting more correct answers, <laughs> you know? And so mm. he thought, oh, this is very interesting because it, it shows that he basically says, quote, almost everybody cheats. Um, and so he, t- but what's really interesting is the second, uh, after that the subsequent uh, experiment that he does. And so in the next experiment, he actually ups the ante, so to speak, instead of giving a minimal amount for every correct answer, he gives like $10. So they they can make like a substantial amount of money, and the cheating for that actually, in some ways, stays the same or even goes down a little bit. And what he found was that you know if if people were getting a little bit of a benefit, then they were like, oh yeah, why not cheat? Like it's not you know it's not, it's not hurting, hurting anybody, anyone. right? Mm-hmm. But when it becomes like they're getting a lot for it, then all of a sudden they feel the sting of that. And all of a sudden, their integrity is like, okay, I've reached that point where I'm not willing to give up integrity. And so basically, what Dan Ariely is is saying is, you know, everybody in the world cheats a little because we're not perfect. And so we look at people like, you know, Madoff or Clinton or whoever has (laughs) said, you know, proposed a large lie that has taken millions away from the truth or, or, or whatever it is. Yeah, it has but a huge impact on society. It has a huge impact, but all of us are 
cheating or lying in some small way, um, you know, and, and it, even let's say it's not even white lies. It's like real, like substantial lies. Like there are people who add, you know, add a few minutes on the time card. Like you said, once, once you reach a certain threshold, it's like too much where exactly. it affects your integrity, yeah. but who cares about like five minutes, five hours, a little bit too much. But the, yeah. I mean, the like, real question yeah. is then where is that line? Is it just a personal line of where you draw your line? Or is there a societal line that says, hey, that's not okay? A lot of people say, well, no lying is okay. So then if you're saying, oh, it is okay, then who, who's being cheated here? Dan Ariely would say that, that people, there's not like honest people and dishonest people. We say this a lot yeah. about, like, that's a bad person. That's a good, like, she's a really good person. But there's no such thing. There's no such thing as a good person and there's no such thing as a bad person. It's that we are all complex beings, all complex, full of the good and the bad. We all are like, you know, have good things that we do and altruistic things we do for people. And we also have moments where we slip and we lie and we cheat. And and no one is exempt from this because no one is like a perfect godlike being yeah. Right. And you know, so we're all fallible. And so and we all want to be able to sleep that? at night. Yeah. We, we all want to be able to sleep at night. I mean, night. and that's what he says also. I mean, I don't want to like overquote Ariely, but he does say we want to view ourselves as good people and as honest. Yeah. So if the cheating gets to the point where we feel like now we can't consider ourselves honest enough, we're we're not gonna cross that line. Most normal balanced people will not cross that yeah. line. And it's interesting. It's re- it's really interesting that um, and the this study and the, this book that you're talking about gets to the heart of the assumptions that I was kind of toying around with, which is are we lying more or less? But it's interesting how because this line exists partly as a as a side effect to society, right? If everyone around us is taking off five minutes, we're going to be more likely to take off, you know, maybe on that time card, we, maybe we will be more okay taking off five minutes versus if we feel like we're the only ones doing it, we don't want to be the only guys kind of cheating the system. If everyone around you is taking an hour for lunch where you're supposed to only have 30 minutes, maybe I'll be more okay taking an hour versus uh, I don't know. you don't want to be the only guy doing it. I think it depends on the context because if you yeah. if you have ever seen The Prisoner's Dilemma, it's actually the reciprocal of that in many ways where you have somebody, if everybody is doing something bad, you're like, well, we all got to stop. But if every, everybody's kind of recycling and you're like, well, then I'm just one person. It doesn't matter if I don't recycle, right? So there's the flip to that, which is, well, I can tell a lie because everybody else is being honest. So I won't get, you know, yeah. Right. So I think it depends mm-hmm. on the situation. In some place places, if you are the only one, then you're more a- capable. But then you also have the something that we got we said at the very beginning of this, and it's the social shame aspect of it. Yeah. Because if you're the only guy that's littering, people are gonna think that you're kind of scummy. Yeah. But if you live in a in a in a place where there's no infrastructure and uh, people litter because there's just no context no understanding that that's maybe not okay and that's not how you've grown up you might be more okay doing it because who cares everyone does it so it's 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 interesting how uh, how much of it is a a mixture of our own internal state the greater cultural state and that's kind of what brought me to thinking about well 
if we're all getting more okay with telling small lies online, whether it's about presenting ourselves a certain way or um, trying to bolster our arguments, and we start getting more and more comfortable telling these small lies, at what point do they start becoming bigger and bigger and we start crossing that line and pushing it back? Yeah. Can I ask you guys a question? Which age group do you think lies the most frequently? Age 6 to 8, 9 to 12, 13 to 17, 18 to 44, 45 to 59, or age 60 to 77? And I have go, an answer. I'm going to go with... And, oh, and just to give you some context hard. where it comes from, yeah. um, this is from psychologist Bruno Vers Schuer. <laughs> I think I definitely mispronounced that, but it's in the Journal of Intercultural Communication Research. And um, they looked at people and on average lying? over, like over a 24-hour period. Good question. Um, I didn't look too much <laughs> yeah. into it. Did the people afterwards say, oh, yeah, no, I was scummy and lied all the time? <laughs> Maybe it was just self-assessment. Maybe it was like self-assessment. How, how In a day, how many times do you lie? And so then isn't that like kind of a, a question a of so how many people you were lie honest about, about their lying? <laughs> the way it's yeah. measured, the lies were measured over a 24-hour period. So I'm guessing they asked them in a typical day, how many times do you lie? And the s- selections were one to five lies per day, more than five lies in a day, or no lies told. Interesting. So pretty but simple, uh, like not too complex. Yeah. Or like, I don't know, did I tell six or seven lies today? Uh, could it be that the, the younger kids don't know how to do math well, so they, they didn't know how to count their lies? <laughs> let's say it. Let's just go. <laughs> right, there's lots of flaws with the Let's the hope the study study is somewhat based, valid. But, yeah. I mean... I wanted to say the youngest because I see young kids like lying about a lot of stuff. Like I didn't do that, you know. I didn't. Maybe it's the oldest because they got less to lose. But but then you have young kids like who are really really honest. So yeah, the older that have I have seen. I was in a museum and there was a little stack of paper. This is this is this is my remark. I just remarked on the youngest. Now I'm going to remark on the oldest. And there was this old man who you're supposed to take this stack of paper and like write something and stick it to the museum wall. And he was clearly like, I need some more paper in my life and took the entire <laughs> stack of paper and stuck it in his bag. And I was like, you are such a dishonest person. Why did you do that? Like in front of everyone. And you I, know, I, I feel yeah. like that's one of those, that's actually surprisingly common having uh, like really old shoplifters and things like that. <laughs> yeah. So Ray, okay, Ray, what's what the is the answer? Age 13, ages 13 to 17, 59% of those people lied one to five times in a day, and 15% of them lied more than five times in a day. So about 75%. Is this like... What you're saying is don't trust teenagers. Don't trust... Yeah, That's a terrible message, though. Because you guys, you guys, so hot news, teenagers, they're the worst. I'm <laughs> no. kidding. If, uh, our, teen, our teenagers, no, they're probably love a, you. We love yeah. all of you. We love, we love you all our listeners of, of all ages. Even all the liars. <laughs> so Just don't lie uh, about loving us. 75% of them, so it's a big portion. So, um, yeah. Do you think least... it's a peer pressure sort of thing? Like when you're in high school, you've got this like intense desire to be liked? or I mean, but every age group Maybe it's has the, that the ability desire. to try to get away with it. or it's the... I'm just going to blame Justin Bieber and be done with it. There we go. Done. 
Okay, keep going, Ray. Who are the least lying? Yeah. So the group that lied the least were ages six to eight, lying only a. 29% 29% lied one to five times in a day, and 7% lied more than five times in a day. They've just got yeah, less see? filters. It's like Clearly, the emperor's high new school clothes, messes it up. You know? High Clearly school is where it happens. Yeah. You know, you go to primary school or uh, middle school, you're, you're doing all right, and then you go to high school and you become a terrible person. And, That's totally what's happening here. And over time, as you get older, you lie less, apparently, according to this. So maybe we should bit. talk about, like, how do we, as a society, how do we reduce if we believe lying is terrible how would we reduce lying how would we you know ourselves yeah, I mean, how would one we of improve the, ourselves that way one of the easiest ways that we reduce lying is by having consequences to lies i think that's what society's main uh, way of dealing with lying has been so far right you know if you lie you get shunned you uh, may go to jail you uh, i mean if we've seen this well, it depends very on what you're recently, lying about with lying in the news, people who've lied and then they've been they've been they've gone to jail for it. One thing about lying is you there's a level of like for an artist, for example, or an actor, you know, they have to live a lie. They're living through a play or they're living through a script and the whole thing is just a story. And in a way a story is a lie. I mean, if it's not true. Right? So mm, fascinating. Restricting restricting everything that we talk about to just truth kind of takes away some of that creativity, potentially. I don't know. Do you think the, the best liars might make the best actors or creative writers or artists? Or- well, I mean, I mean, aren't they by definition? So with that, I'm going to leave you guys with the one last question, and that is how should we address the issue of lying? How should we help ourselves and help society? So reach out to us with your answers at uh, pflpodcast.com or reach reach out to us on Facebook at Facebook slash PFL Podcast or on Twitter at the PFL Podcast and of course our SoundCloud and as always check out our sister podcast Health Unchained uh, with Ray over here and as always stay crazy. crazy.